Hey, coconuts. Yes, uh, breaking news. There's <laughs> a lot of things going on about China's stocks delisting and all the pressure, all the volatility. A lot of you are concerned and I have received a lot of DMs. I mean, even on Telegram, people are talking about it. So yes, you know, with all these concerns, I want to share with you my perspective, share with you my thoughts about Chinese stocks delisting in the US market. I will say it's not a risk. It is a new reality, huh? So uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Wow, uh, tagline statements are uh, a lot to a lot to unpack. And I'm gonna share with you my thoughts about how has this changed? How has the relationship between Chinese companies and the U.S. markets changed over time? And why um, you are seeing the Chinese government pressuring some of these Chinese companies to list back in China? So that is a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. I'll try to keep it as simple as possible for you to understand what what is the situation, how to play this situation. Uh, but yeah, it's a much bigger, ginormous situation that than you want to understand, and the media is covering. So yes, breaking news. Uh, welcome back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, everyone, and welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love for managing our finances well. My name is Reggie, I am your host and your Chief Financial Coconut, and today we're going to focus a little bit on China's stocks delisting. To me, it's not a risk, it is a little bit of a new reality, right? It's, it's, not, it's not as risky as what the media wants to make it sound like. Okay, so yeah, welcome back. Okay, so there's a lot of angles to look at this thing and I know the mainstream media is always hyping it. Oh no, China pressure, pressure the company to delist, uh, right? So, so it's, a, <laughs> it's a, a lot of that kind of stuff where they're, they're trying to make it sound like oh, the Chinese government is authoritarian. You know, They want to delist the companies. They don't want it to raise money. They don't want these companies to prosper and do well. You know, so they, they, they want to do a lot of this kind of stuff, right? But actually, if you think about it, uh, it's not exactly like what they're saying. They are not trying to get companies not to list. You know, in fact, the Chinese governments have opened up multiple, multiple stock market, right? I think they have like five-tier stock market at this point in time, right? <laughs> New York has like what? NASDAQ, NYSE. Singapore has what? SGX. Do, do, we, have, do we even have a smaller stock board? I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you get the idea, right? So China is embracing capital markets, is embracing this whole stock market reality where you have the financial market movements, you get the volatility, you know, you allow companies to raise money from the public to the markets and, and what have you, right? So China is not against financial you know, engineering or I would say raising money or even like having big companies do well and make money. Okay, China's not against that. Uh, but China wants it to be in their own soil. So it has changed. Okay, it has definitely changed. So when incentives change, uh, of course, strategies will change. And, and that is the, the reality that we have to embrace uh, with China trying to rise and compete with the US. So this is definitely the new frontier of competition. 
competing for its currency, competing for its markets. It's not a new thing. It's an extension of the ongoing dispute between US and China. Uh, but it is not like anti-business or anti-corporation or anti-financials. No, right? So they are still open and welcoming you know, retail investors to own Chinese companies, but they want you to own it uh, in, in China, right? They don't want you to own it in the US. It's different. But I would say whatever the mainstream media is saying is not totally baseless. Do you think TT is getting pressured by the Chinese government to delist in the US and list back in China? Of course. It's one of those new age company that, you know, just recently got listed, although the Chinese government said no, right? So, uh, TT is definitely getting political pressure to list back in China, I, I will say. Uh, but why TT? Then why not the other companies, right? Because I think that's the ongoing concern. Like, is this going to be a slippery slope? Is it? Is Meituan, Tencent, Alibaba, JD, everybody going to delist from the US? How is it going to affect me? I think that's people's main concern, right? So, uh, we will talk a little bit about this as we go along, but I will say why TT because firstly TT is a relatively young company relatively young as listed in the US so it's not very entrenched in a lot of big indexes yet it's not very entrenched in, in industry portfolios or institutional portfolios and uh, it is an interesting growth company that China wants to own back in, back in its own soil right so you can see it in a more political angle when you look at TT it's more like a, okay this company is like young and new not very in the big pockets of the big financial companies yet. So the pain will not be as bad. The backlash will not be as crazy. They will not force Alibaba to delist or force Tencent to delist, right? But they will execute some pressure on TT, which you see it. They're going to delist it and they're going to list TT back in Hong Kong or back in Shanghai, right? So what I predict, uh, this is a prediction. Okay, you can come back to me a few months later and we'll see if this works. What I predict is that after TT delist from the US and go to Hong Kong or Shanghai to list, the institutional investors in Shanghai, in Hong Kong, that means the local capital in China, will bid it up even higher than what happened in the US. Right? So this becomes a carrot and stick situation, right? So you tell Didi, don't list in the US, come back home and list at home. Right? So when they list in Hong Kong or list in Shanghai, depending on where they list, China will very likely ask institutional investors or incentivize institutional investors to bid it up. And in that sense, it kind of becomes an incentive where, oh, some of these other Chinese companies will automatically or, or be incentivized to say, oh, maybe we can list back in China. Lah. Don't need to list in the US anymore. Right? So it's a little bit of a carrot and stick. I believe this is where it will be. You can mark my words right? and, and we shall see huh? in a few months, how does this play out? And so today I've gathered a few points for you. I will not say that they are like correlated or very organized, it will be a few scattered points to answer some of your scattered concerns around China's stock delisting and why I think it is not a risk but a new reality, okay? So let's begin. The very first point that I think all of us should know and be aware of is that in the past, Chinese companies list in the US because the Chinese financial markets are very weak. So they have no money essentially to invest in some of these high-tech growth companies, okay? So it is still seen around the world, uh, all the biggest tech companies or the biggest growth companies or in other words, the companies that want to create a future but now they are still nothing <laughs> and the financials look like shit uh, and they, they want to raise money, where do they go? They all go to the US because the US gives the highest multiple for these kind of companies, right? So in other words, uh, if you sell your shares 
in say Singapore, maybe you know, let's say financial coconut goals for listing and we're not, not very profitable, but we're growing very fast. And if we list in Singapore, we can raise maybe a hundred million dollars. But maybe if we list in the US like BuzzFeed, we can we can raise like what? Three, five billion dollars, right? So it's a it's a whole different multiple altogether, right? So the US market has always been that market to go for a lot of these tech companies, high growth. But it has proven that a lot of these tech companies or high growth companies, over time, they, they become dominant and become massive. So then it becomes a flywheel, right? As these companies get listed in the US, they make more money because they raise more money. With more money, they can go and grow further and they become dominant. And then more investors come in to try to own them. So it becomes a flywheel and more and more people will want to own the US dollar and buy stocks in the US market. So you see the beauty, yeah? I mean, you look at Grab, Shopee, Razor, some of the biggest companies that grew out of Singapore and the ASEAN region, they all list in the US or list in Hong Kong, like Razor lists in Hong Kong. But Singapore has a very low multiple. Southeast Asia, the multiple is shit, right? So people want to go to these kind of bigger places to list. But more importantly, you hear the flywheel. And that is the flywheel that China wants today. Because China wants to establish its financial markets now, right? So it wants to open up its financial markets, welcome foreign investors and become the dominant currency or at least one of the dominant currency in the world today which they already are in the physical market that means like people buy a lot of goods from them so people trade with them a lot but a lot of them are still using the US dollar as the benchmark trading currency Right, but China is trying to break out the US dollar because, you know, like we've established, if you think about it, what is the strength of a currency? The strength of the currency is how much things this currency can buy. Okay, so I can create a coconut currency, but you cannot buy anything other than coconuts. How many people really want to own this currency? <laughs> right, but in Singapore, if you have Sing dollar, you can buy everything. Right, so US dollar being the benchmark currency of the world, in other words, every new product, every new innovation, every new resource that is being traded in US dollar is reinforcing US dollar's strength. Right, so for China, China is very incentivized to grow its own currency now because it don't want to reinforce the strength of the US anymore. It wants to play its own game. It wants to have its own cycle. And there is reason to want to be the dominant currency because if you're the dominant currency, all the interest rates is packed to you. You can tax, you can use sanctions. There's so many powerful things that you can do. So China is incentivized to do that. And because of the flywheel effect of some of these tech companies, of course, they wants it to be in, in China, right? So when you bring all these tech companies back to China, hey, people are going to own Hong Kong dollars. For now, eventually, I believe Hong Kong dollars will fade out. There will just be one currency, which is a yuan. Uh, people want to own the yuan so that they can own these stocks. And then as these stocks become bigger and the flywheel will, you know, it, it will keep happening. And at this point in time, Chinese financial institutions and the Chinese capital is very, very big, very powerful. So a lot of Chinese companies actually don't really need to listen to the US anymore, right? They can maybe get similar or good enough multiple back in China. Of course, that is not yet a reality now, but we shall see as this go along, will this be the reality where Chinese companies get equally good multiple when they sell their stocks in the market in China as compared to the US. But the change is that now the Chinese companies, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of capital and they want to invest, they want to grow themselves and, and, and what have you, right? So if you think about it, the underlying incentives for the Chinese companies to go abroad now is changing. Number one, because there's the stick, right? The government don't want you to do that. Of course, the carrot is also shrinking. The US is no longer as exciting. They want to bring it back to China. Right? And the Chinese government have a big incentive to try to 
bring these very big popular companies to list in China itself because then that will promote the Chinese financial markets. People want to own a yuan and then the cycle of the flywheel happens, right? And then these companies, they raise a lot of money, they continue to grow and then as they get bigger, more big investors want to come in. Yeah? So you see the flywheel growing, right? Then yuan becomes a dominant currency even in the financial market. So the incentive structures are changing which is why to me, it is not a risk, it is just a new reality, right? You will see more and more Chinese companies directly list in China or Hong Kong and you know may avoid the US markets altogether, right? And it, and this is not a very big problem for all of you listening. I know some of you are concerned. Uh, I will say, why not you just buy from Hong Kong and Shanghai, lah, right? You don't need to buy in the US, right? These days, a lot of brokerages give you direct access to H shares, which are the Hong Kong listed shares, and A shares, which are the Shanghai Shenzhen listed shares, right? So you have direct access already. Why do you need to be concerned? And some people will say, oh, because the liquidity is high in the US. I really have to tell you, you are an extremely small investor. Why do you need to care about liquidity? Right? Liquidity is a big concern for big funds, for ETFs, and for big fund houses. Why? Because they are moving hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars. Every time they want to move this kind of money, of course, liquidity matters. Right? But for a lot of small-time investors like ourselves, you own one stock, 30K, 50K, 100K, like... You know, why, why, why does it matter as much? Rather than uh, sweat over that liquidity, why not just shift everything to China in itself because you have direct access and fulfill the China dream <laughs> and also not be so concerned about, oh, what if delete uh, all this? Like, do you really need this extra headache? You, you don't really need it, right? Which brings me to point number two, and that is delisting is a very neat and organized process by now. There's no real risk in this process. And we will talk a little bit more afterward from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, delisting from the US market is not new and it's not like a, wow, suddenly delisting. No, a lot of companies list and delist, delist and privatize and regroup and then list again. It happens all the time. Of course, some companies, they don't do well. Eventually, they exit, right? MySpace or you know, some of the companies, they, they do well like Slack and then they get bought over, they merge. Right? So that is also a process of kind of like delisting or even LinkedIn being taken down. You know, so, so you see a lot of these kind of listing and delisting and merging and being bought over and what have you, right? So it's, it's very normal in the US and it's a very established process. So it's not like some very risky thing. Oh my God, what if delete? What if nobody wants to buy? No, it's a very, very established process. And the US is probably the most established and organized financial market ever, you know, in the world. So why, why so concerned about it? Right? You don't need to be too concerned about it. And specifically for TT, I mean, there's rumors saying that they're going to delist at $14. So they're going to buy back the shares essentially at IPO price. 
Right? So why why so why so concerned? Why why so why so you think China is gonna do some foul play? TT is gonna be like, oh, we're gonna buy at six dollars because the current trading price is at six dollars. Like how many investors will sell back at that price? You know, okay, you must you must understand that a lot of these investors, although it's not all uh, institutional, but there are big institutional investors in the market and they're not here to play around with you. Okay, they're not here to have fun and kumbaya. Huh? So they will not anyhow let you delist. If you want to delist at six dollars, I I don't wanna, I don't, I don't, I just hold on, I don't allow you to delist. Right. And if China can in if the company in itself cannot buy back enough shares, then they cannot delist. Which is why even in Singapore, when a company wants to delist or when they want to merge, they always pay a premium. They always pay a premium so that the investors will be like, okay, Lord, you know, let's sell it back. Right, so it is a reality, and delisting is a very organized process by far. And with the recent, you know, TT, I think I read it somewhere. Is they want to take it back at fourteen dollars? I'm not sure exactly. Don't don't mark me on this. Uh, but it is it is what it is, lah. Right, so it's organized, and people are gonna pay a premium to get it back. And China also does not want to make it sound like oh, you know, we're gonna do very foul play and 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 do that for what? What's their incentive? Their incentive, th- their current incentive is to let you feel like oh, no, we are trustable, we are organized, we play by the markets we play by the rules that is what they are trying to make you feel right? so why would they do a foul play on you if they will not do a foul play on you then essentially so what if the Chinese company delist they will delist at a fair price or they will delist at a price where you know uh, you will accept lah, or at least the institutional investors will accept because they need to negotiate with these guys which is why TT is an easy target compared to some of the very established companies like Tencent like JD like you know all these guys because they have a lot more institutional investors within them in other words, they have a lot more institutional political power trying to control the companies and not so easy to delist on the market. Right? So TT is easier, easy target, right? Cheap, nobody wants it, everybody throw it. <laughs> okay, let's let's delist it, bring it back, and then fry it up. So delisting is a very common thing. It happened again and again and again. Nothing to be too concerned about. Uh, I would say a lot of you probably when you're li- when you're thinking about it, be like, oh, what if the share price that I buy goes below? Uh, that's a different situation. Uh, whether we go below, you know, at what price do you buy an IPO? Right? Are you chasing the price up when IPO times? Right. So either way, as long as you are an investor, you you are. You're subjected to market risk, lah, right? But I will say it will not be a situation where you know it's like a shit price and they just want to force your hand on it because it's not so easy to begin with. Right? There are very organized structures. Then some people are like, oh, what if they just bypass the whole ADR structure and just say, oh, this is illegal and, and close it? Uh, then you are very sure that yeah, there's a war happening already. Lah. <laughs> So, so it's, it's not it's not so easy like there's a lot of pressure you know it's, it's it's not so easy to not just follow rules not just not follow rules okay there, there are a lot of political pressure geopolitical pressure military pressure and you know even internal pressure right why would the you think a Chinese government is like you know infallible internally they have a lot of problems and they have a lot of factions also right so nobody wants to mess this up everybody just want to do an organized fashion and list it in China so that they can get the Chinese stock market and the financial market move in a flywheel effect that is my view huh? and point number three that I think you should know is that the recent share price dip okay looks quite serious but it is highly likely a momentum issue, not so much a fundamental problem. So like I was saying about Omicron or Omicron or, you know, Rakesh and <laughs> Rakesh and Anthony were joking about me on their show, TFC Market Updates. You should check it out on TFC Stock Geekout. Uh, but yes, whatever it is, whatever name it is, it's probably not the main problem here. I would say interest rates uh, very likely will move up because inflation looks like it's not transient. It looks like it's going to stay. So with that in mind, it is essentially going to 
become a very big pressure point for the Fed to arrange their interest rates in a higher fashion lah, right, to kind of dampen this whole inflation problem. So with that, um, that is definitely an underpinning factor. And then also the other underpinning factor is a lot of fear in the market. People are not sure about what's going on. So why not? In an increased uncertainty environment, you will see volatility move higher and you will see more money moving out. Okay, so so that is the reality. So I would say the recent share price decline uh, with all these Chinese companies is a few things, right? It's, it's the potential increase in interest rates. It's the potential uncertainty of what is going to happen in the broad market. But also with the US-China situation, people are not sure like what is the situation now. So with a lot of uncertainty, you know, people price that in. But at the same time, when you sell, it's a falling knife, right? So which is why it's called a momentum situation. Also because... I mean, that is very well documented that with a lot of robots, with a lot of uh, computers being in this game, as long as there's a cell, the cell, you know, moves a lot. Like, it just keeps selling because it just keeps, it just keeps triggering all the algorithm to sell. Right? Also, as, as long as there's a buy, you know, it keeps triggering a lot of buy. So you, you see the, the volatility of the market in itself very, very high compared to maybe in the past. And yeah, so I would say... This is highly likely a momentum issue. In other words, it's a hype issue. Like everybody do, then you do. Lor, right? So the algorithm kind of follows along. So uh, the sell becomes quite painful and quite serious, like, which I hear you and I know that it's a problem that a lot of you are facing because, you know, Christmas, ah, CNY coming, ah, then you see all the share price come down, you're very unhappy. I know, okay, I know, I get it. But this is the reality of the market. There are a lot of things that you cannot control. So um, all the general ideas that govern your investment ideology, they stand, right? So diversify, la, invest long-term, la, you know, invest in what you know. La. You know, all those things are say on this scene already, okay? But, but those are the reality of being in investments, right? And you don't want to over-concentrate your portfolio in the Chinese companies. Uh, and if not, you get the brunt of some of these things like that sometimes don't make sense, right? Because, yeah, it's a momentum situation. There are no real change in the fundamentals, right? The Chinese markets are getting better and better. They're making more money in the, in the hard economy. And also, uh, a lot of these Chinese companies, they, they are serving the market very well. So you see their business growing, but their share price come down, right? So it's not, it's not about fundamentals here. It's, it's really about the news, about the uncertainty, about potential increase in interest rates, and of, of course, the momentum trade downwards, right? So very likely, if you start to see a more organized exit for TT in the next few weeks, uh, you may see a very fast run-up or at least run to a, a more healthy place for some of these other uh, Chinese tech companies. Okay, of course, maybe the news cycle will go into other things. Lah, right, right? They'll start talking about other things, then you'll be also be better. So yes, uh, I hope that uh, these three points give you a little bit more clarity about the China stock delisting situation now. It's not really a risk. I believe it's a new reality. And I'm going to sum up the three points. Number one is Chinese companies uh, used to list in the US because in that era where they had no money, uh, they want to get a higher multiple. Right? So same with Grab, Shopee, Razor. The local markets are not giving them the kind of multiple, so they want to list in the US. But China now wants to grow its own stock market, want to grow its own financial markets. What's the best way? Bring some of the high growth tech companies that they really like and the market really likes back home. Uh, so that is the, the new reality. And Chinese companies are less and less incentivized to list abroad now because, you know, locally, I believe their capital is ready and I'm able to give them a decently good enough multiple that they don't need to go through this whole process to list in the US anymore. Number two is that 
that uh, the listing is a very neat and organized process, very well documented so far. Uh, there's, I don't know why is there a risk, you know, for the listing. Right? So it's very well documented. It's a very organized process. The US is a very established financial market, and China has no incentive to try to look like a foul player at this point in time. And point number three is a share price dip. Uh, it creates a momentum to sell, right? So I would say different people have a different pain-bearing ability and with the market having a lot of algorithms, a lot of robots at play, uh, the trigger is is quite serious, right? So the dip is definitely a little more serious than the fundamentals. Like I don't know what's changed in the fundamental. Fundamentals look pretty much the same for me, at least for a lot of the Chinese companies. I would say Alibaba may have a little bit of change, but that one we can have a discussion another time. But broadly speaking, I believe this is a momentum situation. Do not be alarmed if you are a more fundamental investor and you are here for uh, the longer term, right? But short term is very painful. I know I hear you. So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya. I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot. We are going to have a lot of information within the newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts you want to share or you know someone that we would like to hear from, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, because you guys asked, uh, I try to give you what I can, you know, for, for this period. And I really think it's overhyped or not a real problem at all. So if you have any other questions that you want us to do, I cannot promise you that I will always do breaking episodes. But hey, if there are some things that are concerned enough and you think it's uh, important to you, please let me know and then we can have a good discussion. Join our Telegram group, talk on us on Instagram, email in hello at financialcoconut.com. And what have you? Okay, so meanwhile, take care, have a good year end, and yeah, rest well.